0: Hello listeners, Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. According to the police officer I spoke to, they went through a list of questions in order to ascertain whether or not she was safe and determined that she was okay to be on her own on the streets
1: of Victoria barefoot in November, and they left her there. That was the last time anyone ever saw her. You are listening to Emma Filipoff is Missing, a series by the Nighttime Podcast.
0: Hello, listeners. In tonight's episode, I have something that I know is going to be very interesting to a lot of you. One of my most common requests or recommendations from listeners is new episodes and new coverage related to the disappearance of Emma Filipov. So far, the show has completed a nine-part series examining the details surrounding her disappearance and the factors that may or may not have led to it. Well, tonight, I have a lot more information that I think people following this case are going to want to hear. We're going to be joined, initially, by my friend Tyler Hooper, who hosts a podcast called Missing and Unexplained. Tyler and I are going to listen to, discuss, and break down a previously unaired interview with one of the residents of the women's shelter that Emma lived in shortly before her disappearance. People following this case may not know a lot about this woman, however they've likely heard about her as she was seen chasing Emma out of the women's shelter shortly before Emma was last seen. That interaction and what led to it, up until now, has been largely unknown by the public. But that's going to change tonight because we're going to hear directly from Patty and Tyler and I are going to discuss what we hear. So let's get to it. Tonight in this episode of Nighttime, my guest Tyler Hooper and I will discuss Emma Filipov's life in the shelter as told to me by shelter resident Patty. Tyler Hooper we are uh, we're back to the band is back together. How are you doing over there? I am I'm doing great. I'm I'm really happy to be here with you, Jordan. Thanks for inviting me. No, this is good. This isn't a, I couldn't think of a better way to spend a I don't know what night of the week it is. Is this Thursday? Thursday.
2: I yeah. yeah, the 9 to 5 soldier over here knows that it's Thursday. Yeah, Friday's right I, around the corner. <laughs> I've lost I've lost track
0: of what day of the week it is and in some cases even what time of day it is ever since the pandemic started.
2: Uh you're you're surviving I guess you look you look good the pandemic's treating you all right Yeah I mean uh I wish uh we could travel and do some more things uh my wine and beer intake intake has probably gone up a little bit uh you know with boredom but uh yeah I got I got to say you know I don't have it too bad compared to a lot of other people so yeah Yeah and a, you've been a busy guy so you have your your show initially your podcast
0: was a podcast for the missing you've recently rebranded and now just simply the Missing and Unexplained Podcast, yeah. which I think is, is better. It doesn't have podcasts in the title.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's it does like, but kind of like you can, you can drop it. You know, you can just call it The Missing and Unexplained. Yeah, so I, I mean, my podcast is still, the mandate's not really changing. It's still going to be heavy on missing persons. It's going to be narrative. It's going to be in depth. But I've got a few ideas. We were talking just before the show started that, you know, I've got this one idea for kind of Halloween this year that I want to do that isn't really that missing persons heavy. It's more folklore. And so, rather than start a whole new podcast um, and have that stress, I just thought, yeah, let's rebrand a little bit, open the parameters up, and then down the road uh, there can be some more diverse content. So, uh, so it's a slight, it's a slight rebranding. It's you know, you, as you know, you've been doing this for so long, and I'm new to it. You, you learn things along the way, and you got to adjust, right? So. Yeah, and it, the name is important. Like one of the since the
0: very beginning i've kind of kicked myself for choosing nighttime because it's not like descriptive so it doesn't give any it doesn't give people any indication of what they're tuning into and it's also very generic so when you like search nighttime and stuff there's so much other stuff that would come up but um when i chose my name it was simply this was what i was doing in during the evenings like my kid would go to sleep or and i'd be you know just there on my laptop and i just called it my nighttime podcast because i only I worked on that. it at the nighttime yeah and it just stuck and but yeah if i could like if i could go back in time maybe i would have thought of something different but no i think um what you're doing and having more room to kind of do different stuff that's that's only going to benefit you like i know you more from like the writing side of things because you know your articles with vice and stuff it's like your your version or your style of storytelling and the type of journalism you do is just so on point that whether it's a missing person's case or whatever you choose to cover is going to be awesome. So the way I see it is giving you a bigger sandbox of
2: genres or types of stories. I also want to say thank you for helping me on this podcast journey because it's been a huge adjustment. And, you know, the countless Facebook messages we've gone back and forth with the advice has been really helpful. And the rebranding was something you kind of, you know, said, if you're going to do it, do it now. So, uh, you know, I took your advice. And for the record, I love the name Nighttime. Like, I don't know why you'd ever change it, but that's that's just me. (laughs) But one thing we have in common
0: um, as far as coverage is we both spent a considerable amount of time Researching and learning about Emma Philippoff and the circumstances that surround her disappearance, I did my series of podcast episodes about her, mm-hmm. which connected me with you when you were doing your amazing Vice dot com Vice Canada piece yep. about, yep. Vice Canada about piece, Emma. Yep. Uh, how long ago was it that you wrote
2: that? I feel like it was like yesterday, but I'm sure years have passed. I wish I had I wish I had looked that up before we did this. I I think it was it was I think it was 2017. I want to say it was like the seventh or eighth. Your anniversary, I think. Um, okay. And then I've been on your podcast a couple of times before to talk about the case. So um, that's kind of my claim to fame now is that I know you. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully something more thing. exciting happens. Um, <laughs>
0: so we we both, I like we've talked about this case a lot. We have similar feelings about a lot of the aspects. And one mm-hmm. thing I've always said, and, and I know we've talked about this before, is a part of Emma's life that was really a mystery to me and something that I just wasn't able to get good information on is things that happened to her in the days immediately preceding her disappearance. When I put together my, the collection of episodes, I managed to talk to a lot of friends and her mom and, and I kind of followed a chronological order that brought me right up to like a month before she disappeared for the most part. Like, I was talking to, if you remember, her friend Connor, who had the boat. Yes. Um, and her friend Micah, her, who saw her just a couple of days before she disappeared. Yes. These people mainly were closely associated with her, ending about a month before she disappeared. And everything we know about her kind of her last days or, or weeks, even. Is mainly like second and third hand. A lot of what I know about that period of her life comes from uh, Shelley Emma's mom recounting things that she managed to learn from employees at the shelter and various people sharing, you know, these brief ex- encounters they had with Emma. But I really, from the beginning, when I was putting together my series, I wanted to have someone who was right there tell the story. Preferably, it was going to be Dennis Quay, the young man who, yeah. Um, who who called police on and reported Emma as being you know erratic. Um, I tried to get in touch with him and I wasn't able to make that happen. But there was another person that from very early on I wanted to talk to. And that is what we're going to get into tonight. I, I'm excited. After, literally after years of trying, I managed to connect with and do an interview with with one of the women who lived at the shelter with Emma and became quite close with Emma right up to her disappearance including a really kind of wild story you're going to hear her tell of something that happened the day Emma went missing so it's it's a little in, intense some of these some of the stuff we'll get into but before we we do um let's just talk a bit about the person we're going to hear from um we'll call her Patty I believe that's her real name, but that's at least what she wants to go by for this purpose. I've seen her referred to as se- several names. And mm-hmm. I guess in the context of Emma's story, she comes up most often where people say and often share the story of short, just hours before Emma disappeared, she went back to the women sh- women's shelter that she was staying at, the Sandy Merriman Women's Shelter, mm-hmm. had some kind of incident that led to Emma running out of the building with another resident of the women's shelter chasing after her i'm mm-hmm. sure you've heard that Absolutely. story hundred. yeah times. of course yeah so uh what i'm getting at is that woman who chased her was was patty what like before who, who we're going to hear from but before this like did you know anything about patty or know anything about her story other than
2: the fact that she seemed to chase emma out of the shelter Well, it's funny, Jordan, you give me a lot of credit for my in-depth journalism pieces, and I kind of feel like you out out got me here with The Source because I I knew that she had been at a woman's shelter, and I knew about that night, um, but I was never able to, like, no one from the shelter would talk to me. Um, You know, I I wasn't able to track down anyone. So when you told me that you'd found this person and that you, you know, I've known about this for a while as you've messaged me the frustration of her not wanting to talk for a while, um, you know. I knew that they existed, but I, I wasn't able to get them. So kudos to you. And that's why I'm so excited to be here because um, I think it is, you know, if anything, it's it's a very integral part of the circumstances and time leading up to Emma going missing. Um, you know, it's it's within that 24 hour time frame uh, and the shelter in a lot of ways is a bit of a mystery. And, you know, a lot of it is shrouded in, in privacy, privacy, which which is makes sense for a shelter. Um, But it's also, you know, it's interesting to get some context to what happened that night. Because as you say, Emma was seemingly behaving very erratically in some ways.
0: Yeah. And it's, and again, it's like to try to understand or, or theorize on what may have happened to Emma. Like, I feel like we really need to know about that day. And it's hard to do it when when what you're in the, with the stories that we're getting often being so far removed from the people telling them, it's, it just like, I've, I've always really wanted to understand what was going on with her that day, that night, clarify things like, did she know her mother was coming? And I've, ne- uh, you know, before Shelly arrived and before she went missing, um, cause that's just been, I've never really been able to get a straight answer on a lot of these facts. And that's what we're going to clear up. But before we mm-hmm. meet Patty, let me tell you that the background story to this interview, honestly, could be its own like two or three part series. I've never had someone. I'm not even exaggerating. I've never had someone dislike me more than Patty did for a period of time. And I mean, just like I mean, venomous hatred. It went from and I'm not even exaggerating. It went from initially like yes i'll talk to you this is years ago yes i'll talk to you i'm in the middle of moving you know a little later and it slowly kind of got pushed back and eventually it was like i can't do it it's not going to happen but then recently over the last month or so we reconnected but the Mm -hmm. reconnection was mainly patty telling me and i guess by talking to me she was also talking to everybody who's ever covered Emma's case and gave the opinion that Emma was mentally ill. She basically was saying like, you are the scum of the earth. You're liars. She went as far as to say, if I was, um, if I, if I disappeared, she would support whoever was involved in that having happened.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah. So, it's, can, I, can, so can
2: I ask a question though? Cause this is something we actually haven't <laughs> talked about. Where do you think that hatred comes from? Because uh, you know, we've, we talk about how you, you approach people and how I approach people. And I don't think you're particularly intrusive or um, demanding, you know, you're always like, Hey, if you want to come on and talk, you know, come on the show. So where do you think that stems yeah. from? I, th- you know what, uh, what I've come to realize, so
0: it was venomous. Like again, like if yeah. you know, you're a liar, you're scum of the earth, you're lying about Emma, all this stuff. And Jeez. what I've come to, to learn is that. Patty, um, she really had, she was really upset about collectively the coverage Emma's case got by people like, you mm. know, the documentaries, the people on, the random people on YouTube. I was lumped in with that. So what I've realized, and after we got over the fight, I guess we can call it, is she was taking out a lot of the frustration she had of with all of that with me. Eventually, like these, like really um, intense, aggressive kind of uh, attacks that were that she was sending eventually it we just kind of got past it and i was like i you i know you don't like me and and you don't like my you know my episodes but i just Mm -hmm. really want to hear your side of the story and then eventually we just found the common ground of like we both want the story out there as truthfully as possible and you know it's eventually it was all of a sudden we were like communicating well and it's like yeah you can call me anytime and we I called her we had a great chat and I did an hour probably close to a two hour long interview with Patty um but we're only going to hear probably a half hour of it there's a lot that I took out for a few reasons one is Patty has um a very thick Spanish accent yes some parts were a bit hard like especially when she really got excited and was talking fast some parts were a little hard to make out um also she she suffers from um, obsessive compulsive personality disorder, OCPD. And when Patty talks certain she kind of like um she'll follow a certain thread of thought and sometimes it will take her off topic. So there was parts of the interview that I took out for that reason. we would be talking about. Life in the women's shelter, but all of a sudden it would lead her on a long tangent about something you know that's semi-related. So anyway, I managed to take that interview and trim it down and separate it into kind of its um, its main components. And so what we're going to do today is go through tonight is go through (laughs) kind of the the key parts of Patty's story as it relates to meeting Emma, life in the shelter, and ultimately ending with Emma running out of the women's shelter, which is something that, again, people have talked about, but I don't know if, I know I have never heard a firsthand account of it. You ready to get into this? Uh,
2: Absolutely. Yeah. That whole introduction, I've got goosebumps. So yeah, let's do it.
0: Yeah, and is all of course there was, I I had mentioned there's a, there was a lot of nasty stuff, but none of that made its way into the interview. When you listen to the clips I'm going to play, Patty and I hit it off great. We sound like old friends, um That's awesome. but it does it does start with an apology. So uh let's okay. meet Patty. Hi Patty. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you?
1: This is like uh returning back to 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 a lot of things.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a. So I
1: want I publicly want to apologize for insulting you yesterday so much.
0: That's that's okay. I have a, a <laughs> what they call a thick skin, and I, I know that uh, I know it wasn't anything personal. It's uh, this is a sensitive story and a sensitive topic. I was really
1: insulting you. Well, I was very upset because I find some people they're doing videos about Emma, hmm. and I got to you that's how uh uh, and again but you know me from a long time ago already actually
0: yeah we've we've spoke before a a few years ago when i was really researching emma's story i I tried to to contact you but i think i think at that point you were um just in the middle of moving i believe there was something going on wow so that's the uh that's kind of how it started but um she didn't have to apologize it's a sensitive topic and if some random person is writing you on the internet about like your friend who went missing yeah i think you kind of you reserve the right to tell them to go f themselves and that's why i was that, laughing
2: like she the way she did that was so open and honest like she didn't sugarcoat it she's like i was insulting you like and so you know there's probably a lot of emotion behind that and you know her having actually um, you know, known Emma and met her. It's it's probably very very much a charged subject for her. I think you handled that really well, though.
0: Yeah, and it's um, what I've learned is she's a very open person who is like you know you meet those people and they don't have a filter. They're just they just jump in and they're saying stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is she's kind of that's that's her vibe. She's I could see when you get to hear more of her, you will see why she was able to connect with Emma so well because she's quite like poetic and artistic patty is in, in in kind of the way she describes everything and the way she gets into life i think um what we'll do next i'll play a bit more of patty we'll hear the story of how she ended up in the shelter with emma because that's that's where okay. they meet back in in 2012 um in in 2012 um patty was living in the sandy merriman shelter before Emma arrived, uh, right. Patty told me. T- Patty told me the story of of how she ended up there.
2: Okay, let's hear it.
0: I know you're not originally from Victoria. How did you end up in Victoria back back then? What what brought you to Victoria?
1: Well, my husband is from Canada. Um, mm-hmm. Our children are half Canadian, half Spanish. Ended up in the shelter because he already had a car accident, so he had something in the mind Mm -hmm. to like distortions i called the ministry of children to help me because the father was saying certain things Mm -hmm. and then the father he acted like a gentleman so they took the children away from me and gave it to him for this six months period uh, when i was in the shelter and um i went um, later they took it from him because they realized from many people that uh, he ha- he's not about person. he just had a car accident and David would be normal and then he would have what they call it an episode every six months something like this, right? who' mm-hmm. beautiful man normal, right? I my family on that time was not like like, oh, just get back together. Or just try to solve it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that. That I'm glad you included that because I think it really gives you a sense of where she's coming from in her situation as well, which I think is so important mm-hmm. because you know as we are probably going to find out, she ended up at the shelter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, Jordan, I think that that was really great, and I'm glad she told you that. Very, very sad. Very sad. Yeah, and it. it
0: I think it paints a picture that not that isn't immediately apparent to everyone when i think of like a homeless a homeless shelter i'm more so i'm thinking of like transients and drugs and you know all this seedy stuff but sandy merriman is primarily it's a women's shelter just women yes and patty had explained we'll hear more about life in the shelter but i'm sure a lot of the women there end up there as relationships fall apart or you know to escape abusive partners and stuff so i i don't think it's how what what will immediately come into someone's mind when they think emma was living in a women's shelter to, or a homeless shelter to try to think of you know to, when they imagine what life was like there but as you heard patty describe she from spain came to canada she was living here with with her, boyfriend, her husband they had children He had mental health problems and that will come up multiple times as you hear us talk because she, when Emma was having problems, Patty was often thinking back to how she dealt with with her husband. Their relationship fell apart. The kids were taken into some kind of care or custody or whatnot. Um, Patty, without anywhere to go, a Spanish woman living in Victoria, found somewhere the Sandy Merriman Women's Shelter and that was where... She stayed for a good period of time in and around like Mm -hmm. exactly when Emma was there. So let's learn a bit more about life in the shelter because that's something that, again, people following Emma's story, we often hear of her being in the Sandy Merriman shelter. Very rarely do we hear anything about what it's like in that shelter. And fortunately, I think a lot of people listening may not have had the experience of having to turn to a woman's shelter for, for, you know residence so let's hear a bit about it
1: let's do it first of all the sandy merriman was donated from a drug addict woman that owned that house okay to the government to shelter women because she knew she already sheltered women. Mm-hmm. she was very friendly woman and i so i was really like oh my god like like coming from spain like really uh <laughs> In Spain, you work or you die,
2: yeah. basically. Okay.
1: <laughs> that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, that, 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 that's it in Spain. Like in many countries, the, the shelters, they are, of course, there are shelters, but not like this. Mm-hmm. Some women live there two years, coming in and out.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Like in the attic is the woman that sleep in the night, the women that are not insulting or that, and they want to recover, get another job. Um, I was thinking after talking to you that all the women in Saint Marymen, you know, you know, we might have whatever many reasons, mental illness, drug addiction, uh, severe mental illness, whatever it can be many reasons, but we all have one thing in common, and that's bad relationship with men. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, <laughs> so um, maybe because of all this or or whatever reason, um it's always the giggling of, of female go sitting in the um, in the attic because the 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 ladies the ladies in Canada are so nice, you know, they're so nice, like um that shelter ha- people that have really really problems with whatever. <laughs> their attitude. But in the attic, you had that jolly feeling when somebody came, so they feel at home, and talking what happened to you. And they were really open, you know.
2: Wow, what a, like, what an interesting perspective. Like, because, you know, how often do you hear a woman's perspective about what it's like and why they end up in a shelter? And to Mm -hmm. hear her, like, obviously with English being, you know, a second or maybe even a third language, I'm not sure, um, explain that pretty articulately is, is really impressive. And, um you can really tell we you know what strikes me the most Jordan right away is that you don't get a like I know maybe she was very judgmental of you but you don't get the sense that Patty was very judgmental of Emma or women in the shelter like very understanding that we all come from different walks of life I mean she's an immigrant Emma was not um and she's 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 able to kind of break that down and um almost disassociate it in her in her mind a little bit and I think that's really telling it seems like she would have been someone maybe like someone like emma who's a bit more open-minded about certain things probably would have approached
0: did that strike you
2: oh absolutely she seems like a very
0: open-minded accepting you know um live and let live type of person and yeah and she talks a lot about Like we heard just a short clip there, but she spoke a lot about the different women she met and the different staff and the certain like the personal problems that they were dealing with and you know the the problems that the staff had to deal with and how everyone was just you know trying to make the best of that situation. Um, it, It was nice to hear, and again, I can like as I'm hearing it, I'm also thinking about it in the context of that's where Emma's turning, and when we hear Patty describe the women's shelter, what was important to me is there's different levels of the building and it seemed like the attic is kind of where the more stable and um i guess social kind of group ended up and that is where patty stayed and and emma's bed was right next to patty so in this attic area where there was less women but more so the you know the stable ones um they would stay up, you know, late at night talking, and you know, where are you from? How did you end up here? You know, that sort of thing. And I, I can just see Patty really being someone that Emma would be. What I know about Emma, this seems like the type of person that she'd be. Like, okay, this is you know, my uh,
2: my kind of person. Well, maybe feeling safe enough to to do that. You know, we know one of the things we know about Emma is that she was a very private person about her personal life. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure having these women, including Patty, you know, sharing and that camaraderie happening um, is probably a good venue for her to open up a little bit about her own situation. So this is fascinating. Yeah. Well, let's get to how Patty came to meet
0: Emma, because this is also a very, a very cool story.
1: Okay, first of all, is not a girl that goes into shelters like all her life. I was first in the shelter. She was the most educated girl, maybe not only the shelter, but Victoria Like, like she never hung out with the homeless in the streets. People come from Canada to 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 to, to, to smoke meth and they're in the streets because of the weather. It's a nice weather. Mm-hmm. So and you I don't I've never seen Emma, she would never be with anyone basically that's from the shelter. She so Mm -hmm. she was very shy, she was the proper girl that is very like conservative, you know, like she's she has her life, you have yours, you know, like those are private things. And she wouldn't say that, but you know, it's like. I, I guess it would be a shame to just say it, mm-hmm. coming from where she's coming from. So I spoke about my life and I was really, really like trying to make her see or laugh about my situation. Maybe she tells me and I don't remember very well that she was coming because her. I, I asked Emma, why are you here? I don't remember if she said her boyfriend or, or, I think it was her boyfriend, but I, I, uh, someone was stalking her and, and made her uh, stop. Uh, so that way she had to stop working and she came. I don't think she said stalking, mm-hmm. uh, but it was bothering her. I don't remember the words. I think she said my boyfriend or, I uh, wish I remember well.
0: Mm-hmm. But it, it had something to do with a guy just, that she, that she w- had a bad relationship in some context.
1: It was, she said it was her boyfriend was following her and bothering her and she had to stop working. Wow. She, she was there because of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The police must have access to the files because they ask us why we come in the shelter.
0: Uh, and what kind of relationship did you have with Emma? So you, you mentioned you were, like, in the attic. Was, it seemed like more mature kind of women living there and more stable. You met Emma there. What kind of relationship did you have? Would you consider her your friend?
1: A friend, not even an acquaintance. Uh, I mean, I had a connection with her because I'm also vegetarian. Turning into vegan went very hard. <laughs> and she was exceptionally beautiful, so uh, you don't need to be an artist to recognize beauty like um, and all the girls too, like in the kitchen when they're they're eating and then Emma comes to make her eyes and her foot and we would just look at her, like what are you doing in here? You come from a fairy tale because she has that like whimsical something about her that's very like I mean in the scenario especially of the shelter because the 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 woman there 80% look very ugly like non-care the they just gave up whatever she had the thing that was like here I am well they're up here but you know it's you know you're humans too mm-hmm. something like that she wouldn't say it but you could see her goodness in in her people calling her hippie and all this like no emma was not a hippie like she looked like a lady that could be married today
2: wow um that's there's so much to take away from that jordan um i was trying to make mental notes while i was uh while i was listening to that um So there's a few interesting things. I mean, what stands out the most to me is the mention of a boyfriend. Um, Mm -hmm. Because as far as I know, um, the research I did, the interviews I did, the reporting I did, I never came across anyone who said Emma was seriously seeing anyone in Victoria. I mean, she might have dated, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe she was seriously seeing someone, but that's the first time I've ever heard anyone outright say, um, you know, she said she was running from a boyfriend i mean you know i'd heard about you know a relationship she had in campbell river when she was in chef school or or cooking school up there Um, but nothing about victoria so right away that that was very very interesting what did you think of that that's what well what stood
0: out is as far as i knew no one knew why she was staying in the shelter and i assumed it was just she I was going on the assumption or or the the belief that she was just um, had so much going on mentally that she couldn't just, she just simply couldn't manage housing. And maybe that was why she was kind of half homeless, half living in the shelter. I never, as according to Patty, and she made this very clear, is that she had a conversation, multiple conversations with Emma about Emma wanted to be off the streets and staying with the shelter because she was being stalked by and patty seemed um about. i think i think she said boyfriend but she, she, she said wasn't. she wasn't
2: sure she said it was a boyfriend or like something but it was it was definitely a man it was it was definitely very clear to her that it was a man and that's why mm-hmm. she was there
0: yeah but i do recall like from the prior episodes and stuff i did i do remember people saying like she i, I believe it was micah her her roommate for a period of time had said that she she did have troubled relationships with men and it just Mm -hmm. never really worked out. So maybe it's, it, it could have been talking like you said about someone she had dated. Maybe it was just something that came out of Emma, but according to Patty and you'll hear her talk about this more is that was really something that had her worried and afraid. Um, but, yeah, that, that stood out to me. What doesn't surprise me is that she stood out in the shelter as being, like, really intelligent and together and beautiful yeah. and looking like she walked out of a fairy
2: tale. What did Patty say? Like, whimsical. Whimsical was such a great word choice. Like, yeah, like you said, out of a fairy tale. And I think the first time I ever saw pictures of Emma, because, like, her mother and family have posted pictures of her on pages and stuff – a lot of them are very whimsical esque. I think there's one where she's mm-hmm. like she, she's in a field and she's, you know, I can't remember what she's doing. She's playing with a kid or something like that, and it's looked like that's like yeah, that's out of a catalog or something or out of a movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's very whimsical and photogenic, and I think it's everyone can agree that Emma is a very very uh, attractive young lady who also has other qualities that are just um, very alluring, and, and I think that's why a lot of people are drawn to this case, but. Um, I, I want to say though, I think that description that Patty gave is just incredible. Like, I think it goes to show you that no matter who Emma met, she left a very strong and positive impression on them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, yeah, I just, I still, I'm, I'm just stuck on the idea of she went there to try to escape someone and it's, and it just brings up. Like, of course, I think a lot of people who are going to hear this are initially go- or are
2: immediately going to think of Julian. Well, um, and I'm glad you said it because I was going to bring that up. But sorry, let, let me f- let you finish and then I'll because I'll, I was thinking about that.
0: Well, that's that's all I got to say about it is oh. that when, when people think of Emma being stalked immediately, that's where their their mind is going to go. Yeah. Um, but Patty didn't at, at least at this part of the interview didn't use his name. Uh so that made me think like is she talking about Julian? And maybe she didn't know his name, but you'll hear later on she does talk about Julian and uses his name. So she knows him enough that I feel like if Emma said to her this guy Julian is doing this, Patty would have said it there cuz you'll just because she knows who he is and why would she at this point not use his name and later in right. the interview she does. And I also want to just preface like I'm um, Filling in a bit of the blanks with what Patty said, and a part of that is because of the editing, but also a part of it is because some stuff was really hard to get um, a straight answer or or clarification. You'll see as we go here. One of the things that I was trying to talk to Patty about, it took me like two or three attempts of getting her to answer the question before she before she actually gave like the a clear definitive answer and i don't know if that's the translation or just her manner of speaking but anyway that i I just wanted to make it clear that during this part of the talk she didn't reference julian although i'm sure a lot of people who are listening are thinking she's talking about julian um i'll get to the, the to the next part of the talk with with patty what came next is we had just heard her describe meeting Emma and Emma standing out as this whimsical you know intelligent beautiful person in the shelter that seemed out of place I next asked her more about what did you know about Emma and what did you know about Emma's life outside of the shelter just to see like how close were they really because that was one thing I was trying to mm-hmm. figure out like Rhea's besties were acquaintances? Um so here's how she answered the question of what did you know about Emma's life okay what like as far as the way Emma was, what was your impression about her lifestyle? Like you had told me, you don't believe she was living a life of homelessness. Did you have any sense of what her life was like outside of the interactions you'd have with her in the shelter?
1: She absolutely looked like someone who was running away. She, she, you know, more or less, you could tell by the the, the characteristics. But she, she was very like. Uh, afraid that's not no she's not the girl that you would see in a shelter at all
0: mm-hmm. okay and you had explained to me um you felt like this was a vulnerable time in emma's life is when you say that is there any particular thing about her that you felt made her vulnerable like uh some people would say that that believe emma was mentally ill would say she was vulnerable because of you know illness um but i know you don't yeah, believe i
1: she... to mm-hmm. I'm not a psychiatrist. I hope mm-hmm. you find a psychiatrist to give you more or less an idea mm-hmm. of what the picture was.
0: Yeah. Did you feel like she was someone that maybe was not safe for for some reason?
1: I'm not saying Emma had mental illness because what she was put through, let's see who would end up with fear.
0: Yeah. So um it's like
1: you are going to see a movie, a mm-hmm. horror movie. And then you, the woman is uh, whatever looks crazy, right? And now everyone's saying that the you know like the that woman is crazy. Mm-hmm. That woman in Canada, no, I don't know in Victoria. Everybody says that people have mental illness, like it's normal. In Spain, only a doctor says that. Mm. Like people don't say that to about mm. anyone.
0: Yeah, like, we're I...
1: naturally crazy also, so we allowed our. Part of ourselves to be in the to, to talk nonsense in our arts. So we have sympathy about letting ourselves be loose in, cana- in Canada. In it's like everyone has to be really nice, and and then you have if somebody is looking at the stars or pushing the lifts in the fall because love nature. Like I didn't want to be here just to say how much I hate Canadians for that. Yeah. And now americans in youtube mm-hmm.
0: i i understand
1: calling D- this beautiful innocent girl like oh this is mentally Ill. Like, yeah, because, uh, like, uh, like what is that mm-hmm. it's so disgusting
0: yeah and that's something you made really clear to me from the beginning is you don't believe that emma was suffering from any kind of me- mental illness um i but you also mentioned i to think me- she had
1: her reasons to be suffering or mm-hmm. you know like
0: Wow. In in that the big I think the big kind of reveal in that was I, I had told you a bit of the background on uh on Patty not liking that I talked to and that the episodes that I did portrayed Emma as being mentally ill. Patty firmly um denounces the mental illness hypothesis, I guess, and and mm. as you just heard in that clip I I made reference. I'm like, you've explained before that you don't feel Emma was mentally ill. I'm referencing the messages I was sending back and forth to Patty. I knew that was something that she felt. And I think a part of that is um, Patty's a real kind of artistic out there person. So I think she sees Emma in a different way being like, this is the way people are. And in her mind, it's like in Canada, everyone is so nice and organized, but in my life, being patty's life she i guess is just used to people like emma and, and she just doesn't seem to think emma had uh, it's, had a mental illness
2: yeah to me it sounds like maybe a little bit cultural too like i'm sure there are different perceptions of mental illness in mainstream society in places like spain or wherever patty is from i'm assuming it's spain um mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I think that's part of it too. Like maybe the way she was raised and grew up with and the way, like, you know she she said only, only doctors comment on that. like it's a very, you know, whereas, you know, the society we live in, people openly talk about their experiences. um, People openly, you know, um, you know, speculate on people's mental health. Um, So I think, I think maybe that's part of it as well, but I think you're also right too. I think she has a very similar um, cerebral kind of attitude that, that Emma would have like very open-minded, very artistic in some ways. And so maybe, you know, maybe it doesn't want to pigeonhole her thoughts on that to Emma, but I also want to say from my own experience, um, Mental illness is very hard to pick up in some people. Some people are very good at hiding it. Some people are very good are, are ashamed of it, uh, push it down. So, I, I think um, it's hard for any of us to really say what Emma's mental state was. Although I think it's fair to say it wasn't well um, at the time she went missing. And I believe Patty says that eventually that she something was off. She would changed a little bit. So. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. That's very fascinating.
0: Yeah, but I think like I've ne- of course I've never met Emma, and so everything that I'm going by is based on the different people that I know that I've that I've had a chance to talk to that met her or, or been you know involved in her life in some way. Patty's version of Emma to me strikes me as in contrast to a lot of the others, where she seems to describe Emma more so as like a lot of in a lot of ways she talks to her as being like kind of calm and collected but at the same time like scared and worried and facing this threat although Patty has never been able in my talks with her been able to really elaborate on that much more than she seemed like she was hiding mm. she talked about being stalked so yeah i'm um and, and that's what patty is um equating what a lot of others have said was a mental illness and paranoia. Patty is more like, no, she was scared and she was running from something. So it's, that, that's kind of where that, that I like diagnosis gets
2: a bit blurry where the different people have the different opinions, but. Well, and that's, that's um, been a, that's, that's been a conversation throughout the Amet case is what was her mindset like, you know, the, the days and weeks leading up to her disappearance. and, I think we've even talked about it. Like I think we've all both admitted that we think something, some sort of mental illness or some some psych, psychotic episode was happening. But you know we're not psychiatrists, we're not psychologists. We don't we don't know. We d- we've never met Emma. Um, so I I do like that Patty is kind of res- a bit more uh, reserved on that theory. She is a bit more um, like no, she was just she was having a hard time with whatever she was going through. It doesn't necessarily mean something was really wrong with her. So that's 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 really interesting, Jordan. Very yep. interesting. Well,
0: what we in the past hadn't known about kind of the time immediately leading up to Emma's disappearance, we're going to get into it now. And as someone myself who's really poured over a lot of info related to Emma's case, the next like the remainder of my talk with Patty is like I was on the edge of my seat as this was happening because what we're what Patty is going to walk us through is a couple her her hour to maybe 2 hours of time with Emma just like I think 4 hours before she was last seen so it, if you read the timeline wow. of Emma's of Emma's disappearance We know about, I I've talked about this a ton on the podcast, what she was doing the day of her disappearance, getting the prepaid phone and the prepaid credit card and going to the library and the different sightings where she was seen. Eventually, I think it's at 6 p.m. on the day of her disappearance, she was last seen closer to like, I think around 1030. But around 6 p.m., she went back to the women's shelter Mm -hmm. for the final time. And when she went in the women's shelter, it was Patty she encountered in there. And Patty was with her the entire time until it, their experience ends with Patty chasing her into the street, yelling at her and everything else. You're, you're going to hear all about it. But the first thing that I got into in talking about Patty's experience with Emma on Emma's last known day is I just wanted to clear one thing up and I thought Patty would have the answer to this. And that is Shelly was coming. And there's mm-hmm. the I guess it's been an accepted thing that, Emma knew somehow that Shelley was coming although Shelley hadn't told her. So the belief I suppose is that someone who worked at the shelter maybe told Emma your mama's coming. So I just wanted to find out from Patty did Emma know Shelley was coming before she disappeared and if so, you know, what what did she say or how did she how did she react to it? So this is one of the examples of something I had to ask her twice to get the full story. Okay. So here's here's the first response to, to that question. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there's an, a part of Emma's story that you were involved in and you were there for that I really want to hear you talk about. And that is... That, In the days just prior to Emma's disappearance, it seemed like she was considering going home to her mom in Ontario. And then there was the plan for her mom to come and get her. There was some, there's some debate about whether Emma knew that her mother was coming and if she did know how she found out. Yeah,
1: Emma knew she was coming.
0: Emma knew, okay. I was,
1: I was, I was worried for Emma because I could see her state was, I don't know, like Jesus. <laughs> let, let's let say what Jesus says, I'm not of this, my kingdom is not of this world. Something like that. Emma was somewhere else. Emma was in another world, okay? She was taking the sunshine. I do meditation, okay? Mm-hmm. I've been in India, I've done meditation for 40 years. I could be then for hours in silence. And I know she was not in this world. You know, I'm coming with my files, like if I'm uh, trying to get my kids. And she's taking the sun. I'm not going to say that's mental illness to be in another world. She's she's enjoying the sun. She mm-hmm. was with no drug addicts, never hanging out with anyone. Talk, she, that was natural. Maybe created by the mind <laughs> mm-hmm. or lack of, I don't know. She slept always in the shelter world okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what takes to the man to flip is all those triggers putting her in the streets she is being followed by someone she 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 the, you know what happens when if I'm screaming I'm threatened to you th- that stays here mm-hmm. that stays here again and again so a way to to sometimes avoid crisis is just to disconnect man you know Just... Uh, go try to be positive Well look at the sunshine. I didn't know anything. I just really thought um, This is the the tree in front of the courthouse And you cross the street and there is an environment and there is Emma sitting in the sunshine like a little Buddha You know the volunteers call her the golden girl mm-hmm. Um she, will you, you could see her, her face totally delighted. She w- We would share words because, you know, I would perceive her, you know, you, you just don't approach someone like that, right? <laughs> you don't know if the person maybe, you know, is reading a book or it wants to be in conversation or stop the book or she wants to stop the sunshine. She was not reading it, eh? but what I mean is that so there is a little bit of movement, and then, you know, if there is a gesture, I say hello. So it w- that was always like that. You know, when you're walking and you feel someone behind? Yeah. Some people do, some don't. Emma mm. Woods.
2: Okay. All right.
1: <laughs> Emma Woods. So we have an instinct. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I told Emma to look for the library. To reach her family. I miss my family so much. You try, you know, to redirect. I miss my family so much. I mean, they're so annoying, you know, like, because I could tell, like, uh, you know, like, she has to, oh, we're so different my family. You know, things like that, because I I know your pride when you are doing your life, Mm -hmm. you're young. (laughs) And it's like, so you can imagine, right? had something dark mm-hmm. right I don't have any evidence this is nothing she told me I only told Shelly this and uh, some volunteer because this, this is talking crazy like crazy shit
0: mm-hmm, that's okay
1: <laughs> All right? she she had something that I cannot talk about this because is. She, she, I could see it. I could see, it. I cannot talk because this is not reasonable, you know. Mm-hmm. But she, when she was sitting there, I saw her like, like, is this is really, this is in slow motion. This, all this information can happen in three seconds. All right. Mm-hmm. But as I ap- approach, but I'm telling you this, this is dark. Okay. It's as hard to second, I cannot say this. But okay. So I, I felt like her body was, or soul was just not really like in this realm, right? Like this, uh, you know, like uh, she was this attached. And she never has ever said anything crazy. Okay. What I'm telling you is my own uh, impression. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you that I have seen it not like a like a person, but I have saw it like a force. That she and then she recognized she's bling, but she can she can run away from it. Like she, she's just is always there. And um it's just, this is creepy, okay? She look at me. Now she look at me like, you know, then I surrender and I'm gonna be famous. Okay, this is creepy, mm-hmm. but this Shelly uh, Shelly uh, Shelly uh, has her. I mean, she 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 says, yeah, Emma has that side of her. But I'm not saying it's mental illness, okay? I'm really telling you that's uh, like uh, something, uh, something, mm-hmm. and she couldn't. Uh, it was like she couldn't uh, escape from it.
2: Wow! Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I, laughing because there's a lot. To, there's a lot to get in there. There. Yeah. Wow. But
0: you'll see. You see. That's that's kind of that. That was what was hard with Patty. Is I would ask. That was the answer to the question. Did she knew know her mom was coming? What she didn't. She said yes. She did. But then she went on to really explain, in c- kind of creepy detail. Cryptic of Emma's, too. Very cryptic. Yeah. The end. But it was what what it got to was like Emma's behavior in the days leading up to her disappearance she described Emma as being like she said it in kind of a poetic creative uh, cryptic kind of way but it sounded like she was describing kind of a dark like kind of like ghost like person but what I didn't understand and I listened to the interview with her a few times to try to understand is she said something like Emma had this thing where it was like I'm going
2: to go, I'm going to be famous. Did you? Yeah. Like, I don't know you, That, don't that know didn't make any sense to me either. I, 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 I think I interpreted that as it was a cultural or language kind of, um, trip up where it was probably, those weren't exactly the right words is what she was trying to say, because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Like everything I've ever heard. And I mean, I sat down with Mika, um, you know, for hours in a, in a house, um, you know, talking to her about Emma, like one of her best friends. And there was no indication that she had any desire to be a public figure or that well-known. Like she liked her privacy, reveled in being a little secretive and, you know, kind of like I can identify with that. Like, I, you know, it being being alone and being private. So that didn't really make sense. Um, yeah, I mean, you you obviously had the whole chat with her. So there's probably a bit more context for you. Um, I did find it disturbing that she very obviously saw a very drastic change in Emma. Um, did you did you get any sense of, like, was there a catalyst for that? Like, what, you know, was it just one day she came back to the shelter and Patty noticed it? Like, I'm wondering, can you fill in the blanks there a little bit? Yeah, I wish, because I
0: couldn't get a, a clear description of that. Because it, it would always go to, I don't believe she was mentally ill. Because I think a lot of people who see this story would describe it as, like, Emma was kind of falling apart and something was, you know, was affecting her. But Patty, like, she never used that kind of language of, like, Emma was, like, having a breakdown or something. It was always Emma was kind of succumbing to this... um, you know, darkness is kind of the way Patty would describe it. So it was hard to get a really clear picture. I was really, what I was trying to find out with this line of questioning is, A, did Emma know Shelley was coming? B, how did she react to that? And C, how did she find out, like, who told her? Well, let's let's
2: run through the answers to that, though. So A is yes. It sounds like Emma did know her mother was coming, correct? Did I interpret that right? That's what she said.
0: Okay. But she didn't. She didn't answer B and C. I uh, what I did was after that I very directly, like, asked her the question again.
2: What sorry? What question I'm, was that? Just like, did Emma was know like, if...
0: did okay. Emma know? And how did, okay. how did that like how did it seem to affect her? And I got a better answer when I when I drove it the second time. Let let me just answer that because that let me go so to the that clip, clip that of answers Patty. it. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. Yeah. This is fascinating, man. Wow.
0: In the day of her disappearance, like that morning or the night before, she was aware her mother was coming, as you mentioned. Did she seem like she was panicked or upset about her mom coming? Or did she communicate any of anything she about was,
1: that? She was both. She loved the idea of her mother coming. You could see she had a good childhood and connection with her mother. Mm-hmm. And then she, like, skipped her eyes away. Like, you know, but she she never talked about about anyone. Mm -hmm. But you could only catch by her facial expression. By then, she, by then the change, like all the, by then her change, it was drastic. Like the Emma standing straight, she would be more like this. Yeah, her Mm -hmm. physical position like this. And she, she would have forgotten some things. Like she forgot that I lived in the shelter because I told her I could help you and take you with me. And she, like, kind of hung to my arm. I don't know if I took her by, but she, I remember. But her physical position changed. She was looking for help, and she was not them. She's she starting to talk, walk with plastic bags uh up and down from the street of the shelter they were worried about her Mm -hmm. so she didn't remember in her mind state then she didn't remember that i am also in the shelter that i don't have nowhere to take her that so she told me yeah can i go with you like 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 she thought i had a home
0: so i don't know if if you whoa yeah i don't it was very abrupt yeah sorry i don't know if if you caught that but what she started she was just descri- um patty was answered the question like she didn't seem too upset about shelly coming but then she went into describing emma's behavior like right before the disappearance where she was mm-hmm. um was kind of like didn't really know who patty was or that patty lived there that's gonna we're gonna get more into that but just in that answer there she went from answering the question to really describing like the worst Emma got I guess is the is the way I would I would put it but it it took a bit but in the but the reason I dwelled on that question so much and the reason I'm spending so much time on it now is I just really wanted to clear that up because Patty is the only person I think in the world who would be able to tell us how Emma was going to react to knowing her mom was coming. And the reason I want to make a big deal about it and clear that point up is some people's belief is that Emma fled Victoria because she knew her mom was coming and didn't want her mom to
2: come find her. So she took off. That was That's just yeah. a theory some people have. Absolutely. But, Did you find it interesting? Mm-hmm. It felt to me like a bit... Like when she... When Patty was describing that, like kind of reminding me of like Jekyll and Hyde. Like she started with... Emma was sweet, self, and good, and then um, there was this like benevolent energy. Like, like, was it Patty or Emma that one point says? Oh no, it was Patty said to Emma, like, "I thought you had a home." Like, or no, sorry, I think it's Emma that says it to Patty. I thought you had a home, and like, she's almost looking for refuge, you know, beyond the shelter. And I, I mean, to me, it's it's way beyond anything I you know I'm sure you know, a psychologist a psychiatrist could break down this behavior way better. But to me, it seems it almost like Patty's voice felt afraid. Like she felt a little bit afraid of Emma when she was recounting that. Um, did you get that sense when you were talking? Cause you were on the phone. Like Definitely. to me, that was very dramatic. And then the way that you kind of ended that clip, and I know it was edited, but even just the way it ended, like that was a very intense moment for Patty, you know, um, going back and drawing on that. So, mm-hmm because and I think wow. the reason
0: that that moment or one of the reasons that moment so intense is because what she was really describing is like the night before the day of Emma's yeah. disappearance oh absolutely and, the hindsight and, of it too right and the whole idea of needing a bit of wanting refuge that's going to make more sense when we get into what happened in the shelter at 6pm just hours before Emma disappeared so right let me set the stage here is so we we if you've watched the documentaries about Emma, the documentary about Emma finding Emma, or listen to my episodes, we know about her behavior that day, where she was going, what she was doing. Again, she returns to her, the shelter at about six p.m. Yeah, and that's one of the last times she's seen. I never knew what happened in the shelter. I just assumed she went in there to maybe grab something from her bedroom or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. But that isn't at all like that isn't at all what happened. Um, I'll let Patty explain, but Emma basically went there at 6 p.m. looking for somewhere to stay and wasn't able to stay there. And I think that this is a really critical part in this
2: story. Because I was just going to... Yeah, sorry. Um, I was just going to say, before you play the clip, uh, this is a very interesting walkthrough. Like, I feel like this is an insight um, we haven't had about Emma's disappearance yet, that is. Um, it's... It feels heavy. It feels very heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Anyway, sorry. I, I, did, I didn't want to screw up your intro to that clip. I no, no. It, feel like it's worthy saying, of mention that it's wow. This is very heavy stuff. All I all I would say about this next part is that
0: if Emma was falling apart and grasping at you know whatever she could to stay afloat, um, this next part I think is the moment that she goes over the edge. Uh, I'll let Patty explain. When Emma arrives to the shelter at 6 p.m. hours before she disappeared. Okay, let's hear it.
1: You have one week emergency bed every three months, regardless if you're coming in or out every month. I think you have to be out for one month. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But I know every month your bed is taken out. You have to go out. The other shelter is full of man, drug addicts, and, and it's, hor- it's horrendous because they look like zombies. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, nobody cares. Was one person telling me, yeah, we're calling the mother, but this is out of the book because they, they shouldn't reach. I explained them. Look, you have to get... <sighs> I cannot explain this well. I need to take some... Some, some medication to relax my anxiety mm-hmm. for this mm-hmm. interview. It's okay when when I ask them for the bed they say they're gonna give her the bed and I, I push forward I said she only needs food space to relax and recover like this she could she, she could not return people like this could not the mind could get stuck there not return. She, she was not talking crazy things, she was not, uh, she was, I, I know something in her mind because she didn't remember that I don't have a house to bring her.
0: Mm-hmm. I understand.
1: So, and her body, and I mean, I, okay, they're calling her mother, but they're not giving her a bed. Like, what kind of protocol is that, Right. So, okay, I come again with Emma. We are sitting the stairs that go up. The attic is the third floor. But we're sitting on the stairs that is in front of the office that is in the entrance because they said we have to wait. That I don't remember her name. She was chubby in her 30s. She was really like, maybe she was the one trying. And they had like something going on. But they make this way in the stairs, sitting there, and Emma was starting to retract more and more.
0: When you and her are, are waiting on the stairs, how how did it end? I understand. That was a she-
1: scenario and another one coming in, maybe you know, like a, you know, like a rock truck white trash And maybe she had so many men and drugs, that there's just another ordinary day there to go there and complain to the office. And then a third. We're sitting there in the stairs. Waiting for what? An emergency bed that they're going to kick her out in one week anyways. Mm -hmm. The fear was great. You could feel the fear in Emma. And I was really like, Mm. how am I going to do? Because I was also starting to feel afraid, you know, Mm. Uh, because I don't want to lose her. But at that moment, I I could feel her fear because she was already like uh, retracting, all right? Emma didn't grow up in an aggressive environment to to deal through that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay. Which most of the girls since the environment were prepared to, to be there, and you know, the, you you come from another environment as well. How how safe do you feel?
0: Mm-hmm. I should have uh, set that up a bit better, but it's um, <laughs> what what I wow. what I can what I can explain is that. I thought I was included in the clip, so I didn't explain it but this the way the shelter works you don't just live there you're only able to stay there a certain amount of yeah, times it's not a done through yeah yeah so what what must have happened is Emma must have used up her like the amount of time she could stay there. she showed up at six and wasn't able to take a room. And Patty advocated for her by going to, like, the office to be like, you know, we got to give her an emergency bed. We got to do something. And right. based based on listening to that clip several times, it seems like what had happened was Patty was advocating for Emma to the staff. And it seems like the staff said to Patty, we're going to call her parents. It's protocol. She can't stay here. And Patty was was explaining that there's some kind of situation where there's like an emergency bed that she thinks Emma should have been able to get. Meanwhile, as this is all happening, Emma and Patty are sitting on a staircase, you know, watching just random people coming and going as Emma's in the midst of what to me appears to be a nervous breakdown or something, something of that and sort. Sh- yeah. And pa- and that's why I think Patty said like Emma wasn't raised in like an aggressive environment. So Emma, like, I'm picturing this, like, princess that's, like, falling apart, sitting on the staircase in a – basically in a homeless shelter, which is just not – where where what she needs is, like, a quiet bed to, like, have a glass of water and lay down and, like, cry it out with her family is kind of what ideally would be happening at this part in the story. I can think.
2: Can I ask you one question about that clip? I, I... – So we, again, my terrible memory, I'm trying to recall this, but I'm fairly certain the shelter itself never called Shelly. It was Emma calling from the shelter that put the caller ID on Shelly's phone that made her call her daughter back and go. And then the shelter say, oh, this is a woman's shelter. And that's when Shelly got freaked out. Am I... I, I think I'm recalling that correctly. Am I? not? Yeah. Okay. That's that's right. And okay. uh,
0: Shelly initially thought Sandy Merriman was like a friend. To Emma was staying. Well, yeah.
2: It sounds like a person. It doesn't necessarily sound like a shelter, especially yeah. on those short and, call ID, like, caller then, ID, you know, labels. Yeah. You know?
0: And then when em, when Shelly called back after one of the times Emma was like caller frantic, that was when they you know they answered like Sandy Merriman Women's Shelter. But the way, um, but eventually in those calls, Shelley must have told the staff, although Shelley says she doesn't remember saying this, Shelley must have told the staff like I'm coming. Yeah. And one of the staff members must have told Emma. That's the only, the only thing that makes sense. That's what I was but...
2: trying to get at was how would she have known unless when Emma, because she did talk to her mother, I think earlier that evening or that day. Uh, or maybe it was the day before but I think her. her I think Shelly was on the verge of coming out there anyway um, you know what you know what I think you just that clip you just played that to me as a storyteller someone who tries to put a narrative together about whether it be missing persons or a mystery that was the absolute climax point of the story where Emma is sitting on a stairwell with maybe her only friend in the shelter um, or one of her only friends in the shelter and and um, I, I'm not sure if there's a follow-up clip to this, but I feel like she kind of just made a run for it. Cause she didn't know what else to do. Like it was like, she's not, and I think maybe she didn't understand the situation either. Cause I, I don't know the protocol for shelter super well, but I do mm. assume that you, you can get another bed, but there has to be a turnover process where other people are allowed to stay there. So it's like one of those things where it's like, you can only have a bed for a certain amount of days. Then there's a turnover, and then if there's one available, you can have another one again. I don't think you're completely barred from that facility, you know, for a certain amount of days. It's they need to accommodate new people in difficult situations. Pardon me. Mm-hmm. Um So it, it, it to me it's, it's just to finish the thought before I lose it, <laughs> I, I, I to me it's just it's a very intense moment and I and I think you can hear it in Patty's voice. Um I to me it it even Patty's cause you know how Patty at times she will it's it's like you know when you recall really traumatic like childhood tales or like things that happened to you that really imp, like imprinted in your brain in your life you kind of always the narrative gets a bit more skewed or dramatic depending on what what it is and I I think Patty um, is absolutely telling the truth and, and is, is relaying what what she saw but I think in her mind uh, some of it is so burned into it um, that. I just wish there was, she would follow up sometimes on that. I'm like, what, what happened next? But because she was so in the moment um, and reacting on emotion and, and adrenaline, it's, it's hard to, um, it's, it's hard to really see her perspective sometimes because I almost feel like it's a big dream. Like, we're, like, it's almost like a nightmare. You're like, oh, this is, this is the worst case scenario when someone's like, she's yeah. having a breakdown. She's, tr- she's trying to get a place. Her friend's advocating for her. And then I think, You know, a clip you're gonna play is just she flies out the door, and what happens then,
0: right? Yeah, because it's as they're sitting on the stairs, and in this is all happening. The way Patty describes it is there's there's two main shelters, homeless shelters. One is the Santa Merriman, which is a women's shelter. The attic is a safe place for for Emma that she's presumably comfortable. The other shelter, I think, is your more traditional homeless shelter. It's men and women, drug problems the wild west so it seems like what can happen is you could if when your time is up in the sandy merriman if you got uh, whatever it is two weeks a month there or whatever when your time's up your choice then is should i go to the other shelter and rough it out or like sleep in the woods kind of thing so i'm thinking emma at this point's probably faced with the choice of going somewhere that she's very uncomfortable in wall in the middle of a breakdown or you know god knows what but whatever it is the walls are closing in on her nothing's really happening between patty and the staff at sandy merriman as far as getting emma in a quiet dark place to relax and this is where that famous scene plays out where emma now like you said she takes a run for it out of the shelter with patty chasing after her and again, this is like three hours before she is talking to the police in last scene. Here's right. how Patty described Emma running out of there. Okay, let's hear it. So, so tell me about Emma running out of the shelter. I've I've always known this story of her running out and you chasing after her, but I've never heard it in any detail. Can you tell me about when she gave up waiting for an emergency bed and fled?
1: So and she what? runs out. I run after because I was sharing the fear of Emma. I was sharing the fear of Emma. I don't know why, but nobody was watching, no, we well, no one cared. So she runs out. I run after, you know, there's this gap of grass. Victoria has this beautiful grass that goes along with the walking street. I mean, in Europe, that's a luxury. <laughs> so I just I just stopped because I am really like so I stopped and here's the Mariman there is the walk the, all this grass the courthouse is here and she's running straight towards the hotel where I didn't know she had her van or car I didn't know she had one well I was running after her but I was what I'm gonna do I wanted to take her you know I wanted to take her and just bring her back. But you know, I'm a Spanish person. I'm not, I'm like an immigrant. I I, I don't want problems with the police. And even it's illegal to take someone like that against their will. Mm-hmm. So she, she will return tomorrow, I guess, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it was the fall, so it was, for me, it was a moment, also this moment that the time goes very slow and it creeped me again because it was like a movie, I told you, that it was like, she, she had uh, light cl- uh, coloring clothes, I don't know, I don't know, gray, but with her blonde hair, she, she didn't have a braid without the shoes, so it looked like, you know it was dark the darkness of the night she didn't look to the sides to cross the street running without shoes so she looked like a soul mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean she looked like a ghost or someone that's not of this world i really remember like god oh, this is creepy you know like uh, she's beautiful um, I I was like I know you will return and she she was like no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey that but that was that was an impression like mm-hmm. an impression she didn't say no I didn't hear no but I did think you know like you will return like mm-hmm. but what's the the thing I think in her mind she she Okay, the, the social workers not taking care of me when I need it. I still today feel her fear mm-hmm. in that moment.
2: Wow. Um, you know what strikes me a lot about the way Patty talks? It's almost literary and maybe that's me coming from a writing background, but like her, her imagery and her metaphors about Emma are very powerful. Like I almost Mm. get lost in them and I kind of lose where she's going because she does jump Mm. around quite a bit. Um, you know, you can tell she has a very excited personality, um, and she wants to get out what she's thinking. Um, what did you, what, what did, because I think it makes more sense for me to ask you, what did you take away from that having talked to her for two hours? Like, that's, that to me is a very, like, symbiotic and almost movie-esque kind of situation. Like, it, yeah. it was very, it was heartbreaking for me to hear Patty talk to, talk about her like that. She just wanted her friend to come back,
0: really. Yeah, and wanted to, like, wanted to do something to help, but really, yeah. what can you do? It's like, like just like Patty said, it's like, she you can't put her in a headlock and drag her
2: somewhere. I like how Patty she recognized like, that, though. She was like, yeah, that's illegal. And I was like, that's that's good. Like, that's, yeah, totally. Because mm-hmm. she yeah, probably wanted to. Yeah,
0: she wanted, but she, like, she tried to get her something. And, and I'm sure, like, if we could see a video of Patty going to the desk at the shelter saying that like, you got to get Emma a bed, I'm sure, like, there was a big incident uh involving that but really what the what patty describes the way i picture it is emma takes off out of there patty runs after her probably yelling her name and says like and then just is like what well what can i do and she lets emma run off towards right. the hotel where her van was um and patty mentioned that and that led me to think she could, like emma, for quite a bit well, just for it, the, it wasn't too great of a distance, but Emma, like, could she not have stayed in her van? I'm wondering if she ran over there to maybe just, like, go in her van and, like, shut the door. Like, that, maybe that's one of the reasons, like, something that would have brought her over that
2: way. I, I don't know. I'm just well, guessing. And but. I think, I think one of your, um, uh, one of your listeners or viewers right now pointed out in the chat, like, she did have quite a bit of money in her bank account. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a crazy amount, but it was enough for a hotel room for a night. So if she really needed, you know a two, three, four hundred dollar room a night in Victoria, which is like the rate it is here. Having lived here, you know, for eight years now, it's it's expensive. Oh, yeah. you're like, you're in Victoria. Yeah, I've been here for seven years. Seven years. <laughs> I completely yeah. forgot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I I just we just did uh, New Year's in a hotel room, and it was it cost us quite a bit, but it was. um but but to to go back to the point about Banama, it's it's you know not unfathomable to think that she couldn't have afforded, um two three four hundred dollar hotel room because I think she I think when her bank account was last checked Shelley's made this public I I want to say it was at least over a thousand dollars like mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't a petty amount like it was something where it's like yeah if you were in a crisis that's going to get you at least to the next day, yeah, um but that that's one
0: thing for us to say thinking logically but absolutely if you're, if you're gonna follow that thread oh, you 100 be like well why not didn't she just get medicine for her the mental illness if, if that well you know.
2: yeah no of course and i think the point i was trying to make was more that um if she was of more sound mind and she knew like you know I, I having someone who's dealt with depression and anxiety like when i've had a bad day or a bad time but she when i'm away from people i care about it's like I just need alone time and a really safe place. That's all That's all mm-hmm. I need. And to me, a hotel room would be that. So to me, I think that the fact that Emma took to the streets, um, and then, of course, we know the interaction she had with Dennis Quay, um, mm-hmm. to me, it speaks to something greater going on. And and I think mm-hmm. Patty did a good job of describing someone who's probably having a very traumatic um, personal episode, mental health episode of some sort, right? To to me, it just sounds like I
0: would describe this, uh, from what I hear, I describe it as like a nervous breakdown. that,
2: Or a psychotic break. I I think maybe the delusional aspects of the, like, again, and this is a theory, I'm going to stamp this as saying a theory, whoever's watching this, like, listening to it. My theory and thoughts have always been that I, I... I don't. Do you want to go there yet, or do you want to wait till the end of the clips? I don't want to necessarily. No, know what you're jump doing. jump into it because well, what d- we're
0: because where we're at in the story now is we're Emma's basically gone missing now. Okay, we're, this is the last time Patty saw her was what well, we just described.
2: And, and I want to say I've stayed in touch with Julian um, since I did this story several years ago. He, we 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 communicate over Facebook very sporadically. Um, it's always very cordial. It's always very like he has a lot of guilt about a lot of things, but. I don't ever get a sense that, um, like, I, I get the sense that it was a coincidence that he moved to Victoria at the same time, almost the same time Emma did. I think it was like a year later or something like that. Um, but I always got the impression from my research and the people I talked to, like especially her close friends, that Emma was having a hard time, and she was. Um, her family, I know her family history has some mental illness in it. Um, I, you know, I've, that's been confirmed to me personally by by Shelley and other people. Um, And, you know, my family has it too. It's very common in a lot of places. So for me, it's like I think that climax of her being on that stairwell and this whole scene playing out with Patty is this really tragic, um, you know, sequence where Emma's been running for something for a while. I don't think she even knows what it is, um, but she's running from it. And it ends up um, culminating in in, you know, her barefoot in front of the Empress Hotel um, having this conversation with police. And then basically, to me, the biggest faux pas is that they didn't take an extra step to make sure she had a place to stay for the night, um, especially not being from there. I don't like – thing to me is like did she even have a registered address at the point? Like you're staying at a shelter. You don't have a, a registered address. So like if you show an ID and they check it in the system, like do you even – does that even register or was that a flag for them? Like I have a lot of questions about – and again, I, I'm not a you know, I'm not anti police, I'm not I I have a lot of respect for all all law enforcement people, but I feel like that situation, um it could have been a very different outcome if it was handled differently. Um, that's 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 the where way I, land I see on. it too.
0: Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I feel like going based on just what I heard and the way Patty described it to me, the the shelter was kind of the first um the the first kind of um gatekeeper uh and they presumably had some option or something they should have been able to do if it was as apparent to them as it was to patty that stuff was going wrong with emma so i don't know if that involves or or patty mentioned it seems like the shelter was going to call shelly right then and there to be like you know this is going on right now they didn't know this or maybe they did but shelly i think would have been on a plane going to victoria as this incident happened um Emma flees in whatever state she's in. I don't know. I still don't understand how that didn't ring wrong to the police officers who encountered her because she's, it seems like she was out of her mind. Um, well, even the way Patty and, says
2: what she was saying, like she was starting to get worried about her and her thought mm-hmm. pattern. I know the one thing about shelters, Um, uh, my, my girlfriend, Molly, she's a, a a youth social worker in Victoria and like, you know, even when she's in private talking to me about her job, um, there's a lot of confidentiality and there's a lot of things that people can't even say to a family members of, of someone in a case, like it's it's not so simple as like they could call her mom. Like they don't know if like that's what she's running from. Like it's it's very it's very mm-hmm. difficult. So I think I think like women's shelters and this is again my probably a slightly ignorant perception of it is that it's a place for women to find shelter, but it's not necessarily a fix. All like the staff there are, they don't have necessarily full-time psychologists, psychiatrists. It's like, it's literally a refuge, right? So yeah, they have to make a judgment call and keep it confidential. Like if someone wants to go to a shelter on their own accord, cause they're not forced there, you know, they're not going to be, you know, driven into saying why they're there. Like that's their own business. All they know is that they need a bed for the night or the weeks or the months, whatever it is. Um, So I think that's to me is why it's great that you got Patty to talk about this. I think it's very insightful. Um, But I I think the shelter aspect is uh, something that um, is alarming, but also speaks to me solely when I look back at it, like you were just saying to Emma's mental health for a woman like that with some means um, to end up there. um, Something was going very wrong. Do you ever get the sense, like, is there any bit of you that ever goes, This was nefarious? Something bad happened to Emma by someone else? Honestly, I know I'm putting you no. on the spot. Oh, you yeah, just answered no, it. That but clearly. I, I yeah. honestly
0: I don't. Like no yeah. initially when I first learned the story, which was primarily from CBC's finding Emma, I was like, Julian did it. No question. Well that was how I felt initially. And in and in a lot of that, as I learned, and now if I watch the Finding Emma documentary, I understand the way the filmmaking put a villain in the story. Um, now that the, yeah. the more that I learn about it, I continue to just feel that and, – and I see Emma in other stories too. I've There's other cases that I follow mm-hmm. that – have had a resolution where i'm like that's like that that's emma what, what was the name mind. of the,
2: the woman we did about missing in hamilton that came yeah to really
0: holly tried to, holly ellsworth
2: clark and that had was a very, very similar, similar yeah we did an episode and, and, about that yeah and yeah. i even think elisa lamb
0: if i'm sure like a lot of people know yeah. that story that's Great another netflix one where yeah. there's the netflix doc now and as i as i watch it i'm like this like it's this is the kind of thing that Seems possible or seems most likely to me in Emma's story. I think, um, the big one of the big reasons for it is whatever was going on with Emma, as you just said, this is like the climax of the story. What is the what are the chances that if someone was going to do Emma harm that that would happen to fall on the moment that she was in the climax of this breakdown? It just seems like it's it would be such, um, A bizarre coincidence coincidence yeah in an in an unlikely coincidence um but i i firmly believe that um that whatever happened to emma was something that happened when she was alone somewhere on her own running from whatever it is that she ran out of the shelter from and whatever was eating away at her that led to these bizarre interactions absolutely Um, i'm gonna i'm gonna get to one thing because we I want to get back to the shelter because in the next clip I ask I'm going to play it in a moment I ask Patty how she found out that Emma was missing and this is a part that surprises me uh you're you're going to hear her tell the story of how she learned Emma was missing but Patty is um going to tell us she is going to describe how the shelter described Emma's behavior to the police This was a big part of the motivation Patty had to talk to me is she um, believes that the shelter's initial misrepresentation of Emma's mental state in attitude and behavior may have um, influenced the way the police handled this case. to to give a bit more info, we've heard these stories of Emma hiding furniture, hiding things, and moving furniture around, and doing all this strange stuff in the shelter. Right. Um, Patty's opinion in Patty's statement to me several times is none of that ever happened, and that was things that were said to make Emma look nuts. Um, I'll let Patty explain. How did you find out she was missing? Do you remember learning that she hadn't come back to the shelter?
1: You know, next day was the police there and the mother. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: It was the daytime. So I come, I think I came to eat because I would go there to eat. There was the police and there was the, the, the oh, no, yeah, because she was moving things. Mm-hmm. No, no, like, really, really? And I'm like, really? Of course, her mother was would be there. She would have taken her, like you know she would have even maybe taken her to a new place if she didn't want to go home you know or make yeah. her life you know the police is there i was a woman from a shelter and a spanish person so it doesn't matter what you know it doesn't matter the yeah. police never took my report the mother at that time was kind of like shocked that her daughter was in a shelter so I was another woman from a shelter. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the 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 issue here is that the shelter lied about Emma moving things. Mm-hmm. They put her in the streets. They didn't give her a bed when she had the right to have an emergency bed immediately. Mm-hmm. Cause she was vulnerable. Why was she vulnerable? Because she's being stuck she told me she's she she. That's why she was there. Mm-hmm. She left her job and everything because of that. The, the police believe the shelter because they work for the government. Mm-hmm. They believe the reports of the shelter, so they're they're looking at a woman that you know that, that it changes the world picture. Uh-huh. The, the, this is a lie. The shelter did a big mistake mm-hmm. here, and the police has to know. The police has to know the real situation of Emma Filipov. This, this was not Emma. Mm-hmm. I think she had the right to be afraid. And fear doesn't let you think. Well, I guess
2: you know. Mm-hmm. That's that's very interesting. Um, I, I would yeah, say. I, I thought so too. Co- yeah, a couple takeaways for me is one. I think her blame on the shelter is normal. I think that would be a normal reaction to have. But I don't think mm-hmm. personally that's where the uh, blame would, would, would lie with me because you got to think of how many people are coming in and out of that place on weeks, days, months, basis. Um, there's probably not a, fa- not a lot of favoritism that happens because it can't. Um, mm-hmm. The policing yeah. is interesting. Um, I think we agree that there is maybe some – um there was some disconnect although apparently allegedly um the police talked to emma for 40 minutes um and deemed she was okay that i find hard to believe uh, so that's 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 what really is poking my like cortex right now is so this is yeah so the police said they talked to emma for four it was 40 minutes right that's what the original mm-hmm public information says, but then here's this one, Patty, who was in a shelter with her, who was the police have never met Emma. They don't know her at all. They show up on this person barefoot in the street and they talk to her for 40 minutes to go, Oh yeah, you're fine to be on your own. Whereas Patty, who has known this woman for a few days, seen her really good side is seeing this more like darker lost side is immediately going like this woman needs some, like she needs to stay here. She needs to be with me. Like she needs to be safe and yeah. so that that's what gets kind of me going right now jordan is i'm like what what do you make of that yourself having talked to patty for the full two hours like was there any more insight to that i i feel this like
0: just like you i it just reinforces my belief that there's no way the police encountered and spent 40 minutes with the sane rational emma Philippoff who managed to gain control of herself and maybe turn it on just while she's talking to the police to get them off her back or something. I don't see absolutely. that. Yeah, I don't see that having happened. Maybe they, I don't, I would love to know more about the conversation they had with her and what kind of things they asked her. But I just, like, I just can't imagine her pulling it off in any, like, effective way. Um, and the, one other thing does, like, I guess to back up the shelter is, I'm sure, another thing that I was thinking is I'm sure Patty doesn't know everything that was going on in that shelter with Emma but she was fir- like she firmly believed that these things with like hiding things and moving the furniture and the clocks are talking to me that we heard Shelly describe Patty said none like that none of that had happened so I, I just thought that was interesting
2: yeah, That is interesting the only thing to me um that may maybe Patty wasn't there because, you know, I don't think you spend your whole day at the shelter. I think you do have to get out of there for a few hours a day. So maybe it happened at a different time. I, I would like to say, and I don't want to, like, take over your podcast by calling out your audience. But um, someone in your comments just said that they've had experience with bipolarity or bi- bipolar. And um, that remember when we were talking about that, that why would she want to say she's going to be famous? expression mm. and someone who's manic might say something like that and i think that's actually very interesting and semi-accurate in my experiences, i'm not bipolar but i know people who are um, and they do have grandiose thoughts of themselves sometimes that are very out of character so again yeah. not to put a label on it and say emma is bipolar or anything but i think it goes back i think what we keep defaulting on and patty is um inadvertently because i know she doesn't really like this theory or believe in it Something was going on with Emma's mental health, um, and you know what? To me, is the most fascinating thing is that I think Patty felt like she knew this woman up until the night that she fled and that stairwell, and she, you could just tell she was like she changed. Like she, she, like, she well, what's really. Happened? What's what's happening? To me, that screams um, some sort of uncomfortableness that's far beyond I'm in a bad situation. That's because if you're in a bad situation and you know someone pretty well, they're going to confide in you a little bit. They're going to, you know, even if you'll, if I'm in a bad situation, I've only met someone for two days, but I've spent, you know, a lot of time with them, I'm going to let them know something's not good. But if I'm mm-hmm. dealing with something uh, much more complex than that, um, it would be easier to probably run away and, and think that. There's another solution out there. What do you think about that? Um, I, it's I'm still like I'm
0: I'm lost in the mystery because I think so much of what she's saying is is affecting the. I, like I'm I'm processing it in real time. Although I've had this conversation with her like two weeks ago or a week ago, I'm still like playing it out in my head. One thing though I I just want to touch on is um. When she talked about the whole like I'm going to be famous sort of thing, I don't know if she was describing something Emma f- said to her. I think what she was doing was um, giving an impression of how she, like Emma how Emma made her feel or appeared to her or something. I listened to that clip a few times mm, and, mm. I, and and I couldn't necessarily say it, uh, decide or decipher exactly what she was saying, but it was really hard in When you hear these clips that I have with Patty, you don't get the difficulty of the conversation because not only was it hard to stay on topic with where she was in Spain, there wasn't great internet, so oh, you interviewed her in Spain. Yeah, I think she's in Spain. Um, Oh, I didn't. I thought
2: she was still living in Canada. I didn't know she was no, no, she's
0: long gone. But it was um there was a delay, so. I was like, for me to get in and ask a question, it was right. hard because I was always interrupting her. So there would be a lot of points of things she brought up <laughs> that I'm like, that I was like, man, I want to get clarification on that. And I'd ask, but she'd just keep talking and, and right, you know, right. and we'd be stomping right. all enough. over
2: i I'm sure you've had those kind of talks where you're at bad reception. Oh, 100%. 100%. Or just like yeah. someone who is a talker and I'm not really. Like, I love doing this with you, but. I'd rather be asking the questions than answering them. That's just kind of my thing. Yeah, yeah, and I also want to say, like, um, you know, for anything that I'm saying tonight, like, nothing is definitive. I just think, uh, and I'm sure we're going to have a breakdown in a minute overall what we think about this, but I do think it's very interesting that, again, to me, this is revelatory in a way that it makes me still think that something was happening with Emma that we don't understand, some sort of mental health crisis, Um, and it's just, you, you know, you were managed to find someone who was there that night, um, other than Dennis Quay. And, um, I mean, they reaffirmed it for me. I I don't see it any other way. I I just can't. So, so before we get into what Patty thinks happened, because that, that's the last
0: clip we're going to hear. And it is a shocker, I think. Um, but when, uh. I gave my opinion. I believe, like I have very from very early on, that Emma found a, met her end somewhere on her own terms, likely alone. Is that what do you think had happened? Do you have like what's
2: your theory? Um, I I, I don't have a de- de- definitive theory after these few years of reading into it. I think I think it's probably safe to say that um, Emma did uh pass or has passed because of exposure or um something like that, but the thing that keeps me um worried at times is you know there are sightings of her at four five six in the morning, you know in a pretty like you know urban area i mean I've been there i my you know my current partner lives very close to there. It's not that iso- It is isolated, but it's not that isolated. So, I think. I, I think. To me, the, the things that don't make sense is I don't think it was stalking. I don't think it was nefarious homicide. I don't think any of that. Uh, I think if it was any sort of foul play, it was very much spur of the moment, and it happened way later. It happened at five six in the morning. Um, mm. I. I think that she had a very complex family, like a lot of us do. And I, one of the reasons I stopped writing and reporting about it in my own right was I couldn't break that code or seal with the family where it was like, there was obviously things going on um, with Emma before she left. And while she left that, um, you know, again, me being an outsider would not expect people to share with me, but I always got the sense that there was a bit more to Emma in the story than Shelly and other people let on. And you know it's that's their prerogative. I mean, it's their their children, their family. But um, so i I guess this is a long winded way of saying that I'm split between Emma was in a very bad situation with her mental health and she perished the elements or by her own accord, or maybe she was trying to get away and maybe she did it successfully. I mean, that seems a lot less likely given her behavior. But that's kind of where I'm stuck in. And I think there's only really three options, right? So. Mm-hmm. I think we're on the same Let, page. Yeah, um,
0: Patty. However, when I asked her the question of "What do what you think happened say? with Emma?" Uh, you're going to have a lot to say after this, um, or this, this, hardly this, anything. Let's hear it. <laughs> I didn't. Have, it's not what I expected. Let me ask. Like as much as you know about Emma in her time, just prior to her disappearance. Have you ever come up with any opinion on where you think she is or what may have happened? Do you have any idea?
1: (laughs) Of course I know. I don't only have an idea. I will only need the evidence Mm -hmm. to take me there. So what is it? Well, I, I wish the police and the investigation follow the clues. It's too easy to see that. <laughs> it's very easy. Even if you were not there. So, you
0: know. Yeah. This was this um, has been amazing. You you answered a lot of the questions that I had I about know. about that period of time in Emma's life. So Maybe
1: I'm wrong. Maybe it's my obsession.
0: Well, there's no question that you were there at some pivotal moments and you, you did the right thing by trying to get help for Emma.
1: Thank you anyways to Cindy Mariman who gave me shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to the people in Canada. Thank you to the volunteers who are still there. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to you really. Mm-hmm. And okay. for Julian, I don't know. I don't know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry the you could be you could be so much mm-hmm. to the world in this plane.
0: I thank you for talking to me. Bye. Hold,
2: what hold on. What?
0: Hmm. Yeah. Okay, what her so... exact words were and I'm sorry to Julian. I'm sorry you could be so much in this plane that's Wait, what, that's is what that she what she
2: said. said? Have you listened to that several times?
0: Yeah, and it's when you it's it may have seemed like when you listen there that I kind of I just like heard jumped thank in you and to Julian up. like I
2: didn't really hear the I'll play the final part. Can you part play, can you again, you play but, that? Can you just play that again?
0: Yeah, and it sounds a bit like I'm jumping in, but what ended up happening was there was a big long silence that I clipped out of there. Yeah, um and it was to me I felt like at this part of the conversation it was over. It was over, but she was very clearly, like, cautiously choosing her words. So, I like, I can only, f- in my mind, absolutely she has something she wanted to say that didn't come out because it was... Okay, well, let's,
2: can, can you yeah. footnote that? Because I want to come back to that earlier in the the, the clips, too. Yeah, cool. So, this let's listen to that. wild it. part I'm gonna, of my French. Jesus. I'm going to listen
0: to that part one more time. Yeah, I want to hear that again.
2: Play it again.
0: You, you did the right thing by trying to get help for Emma.
1: Thank you, anyways, to Sandy Mariman who gave me shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to the people in Canada. Thank you to the volunteers who are still there. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to you, really. Mm-hmm. And okay. for Julian, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry the you could be you could be so much
2: That's so bizarre
1: to the world in this plane.
2: I thank you for talking to me. Bye. Okay, so did you ask her? Did you not follow up? Did you not ask her why thank you, Julian? Like you Okay, so you did you ask her about that at all after? Like why, you know, how did you how did you know Julian at least? I did, um, and then where she, did it go from there? She knew she knew who he was,
0: she knew the story um and i and I asked her if she was why she mentioned him when she was giving her thanks, and she didn't answer that question,
2: like did she just um, totally
0: skirt it, or did she just go on talked about other unrelated things um and I asked several times, and at this point. Our reception was getting as bad as it was well you're like and two and a half she hours was, in you're like okay and we were <laughs> we were an hour and 40 minutes into a what was supposed to be a 45 minute talk um but that mm. was like a really important part so i i um i tried to get more out of her but really like what you hear there is the the best that i had there was um
2: so that's that's another rabbit hole is well, it not what is that, or is it just a is it how else would she know Julian from your podcast? But she says she loves you, she like so says she listened to all your content. I
0: think, well, I think she's listened to or at least watched several things about Emma. And she because she had uh when we talked at one point, she she lumped me in with like all the people on YouTube are talking about Emma being she didn't mentally, mention you know. my name though, eh? I'm she's sure never, it was she never uh, made it, it to my article,
2: okay? I'm just checking.
0: Yeah. So why? So what I'm thinking is that um, she may know of him from several places. One, hearing him talked about on Finding Emma and in my podcast and other places. That's one. Other other thing is early on in the search, he was involved, and in, she would have been in the picture then. So she may have met him at that point. Um, oh,
2: that's a good point. That's a really yeah, good
0: point. possibly third thing is there's no secret that julian was around after her disappearance on social media talking with different people and connecting he very well
2: could have found out about her and they may have talked Just an point. odd shout out you know it's like she didn't shout out Shelley, she didn't shout out anyone else it was not again yeah. i i have a really good relationship with julian um we we catch up quite often um he's been through a lot mm-hmm. um i almost think it's after that it's like worth having him back on jordan well i i don't know
0: i i'd like the guy's he, been
2: through enough or...
0: well and it's like it wasn't an accusation either It was just a weird thing she chose to say um yeah because he, here's the thing but but what makes it more unusual is she kind of skirted the fact that or skirted the way she described like i know exactly what happened if you follow the clues you know the answer's there Yeah,
2: that's to me. That's like everyone says that about their,
0: you know, their they follow. Yeah, but then to name someone, right? So it's like, right, right, everyone knows what
2: happened. It seems disassociative, and then it kind of connects when you listen to it. Yeah, that is. But then she goes
0: into she thanks the shelter, and when she says the volunteers, she means the people who volunteer at the shelter. She referred to them as the volunteers, right? And Julian, but she thanks Julian.
2: But That's it's an apology.
0: It's like, I'm sorry, Julian, that you're so much. And then she says in this plane. I think she's means like this plane of existence. Because when we were getting late into the interview, she was getting a bit uh, like out there at some of the things she was saying. Huh. Um, plane of existence, plane of the interview. It's huh. yeah, I, I knew that that was going to be um, that that last clip was going to get you going because it is it is weird and i I thought it was really weird
2: yeah well it's strange like again it almost out of all the clips not to say it was but it's the most that feels scripted where as soon as she diverts from the i have all the answers into like it's almost like she's like and unless you edited something in there she's like and then i want to thank the shelter and i want to and it was just very like that's how she planned to wrap it up Mm -hmm. it's also odd that she would thank the shelter when she kind of shit on them a little bit for the reaction to emma going missing like she was like why aren't you doing more like giving her a bad like she's having like she was very critical of them but and i guess maybe that's me looking into it too much because they did help her in her own bad times so that's that's just very ominous and i think all you've done is like really layered on the obscurity and rabbit hole of this case but Mm. at the same time um You know, I say this kind of a joke because every time this happens that we get another interview, um, we go go down this path. Okay, I guess for me then, does for you, because I didn't spend the whole two, two and a half hours on the phone with Patty. Did you get a different sense of what you already felt about Emma's case and disappearance? Like, was there, obviously there's some more context, but did you feel differently?
0: I don't know if I feel differently. It filled in a lot of the blanks. Uh, and, it, and, told, and a lot of the things that I already knew about the case, it allowed me to get a firsthand account of them. Like the whole story of her running out of the shelter. I knew about that, but I didn't know why she was in the shelter. I now know she was going there for a bed. The, um, so that's one thing um, that this cleared up. I know for sure now definitively that she knew her mom was coming from mm-hmm. Patty. Mm-hmm. But the the version of Emma that Patty described... I think is a lot like the other versions of Emma we heard, but it's largely influenced by Patty's perception of the world. And Patty views Emma and other things a lot differently. I believe than Connor did when he saw Emma, you know, the month before her disappearance or Micah did. So I think, I don't think it really changes what I feel, but it, it fills in the blanks and it gives me a more complete picture of that last day for sure.
2: Yeah. And I would, I would agree with that. Um,
0: This is the first time I've talked to someone who saw her that close to her disappearance. Of course, Julian claims to have seen her earlier in that day. Yeah. Earlier Um, in that day. Yeah. Um, And what he described is, sounds a lot like, Didn't he say the handbags, like the
2: plastic bags? Like he remembered that. That's when she said that. I was like, oh, several people have highlighted that.
0: Yeah, Julian just described her having plastic bags over over her shoulder or walking around some busy street. And Patty had mentioned that as well. But it would have been like Julian would have saw her earlier in the day. Mm -hmm. After that, she would have went back to the shelter, got turned away, ran out of there, From there, went over to Sandy Merriman and it was, you know, a couple hours later, she ran into Dennis Quay who called the police. So it's like, it just like the whole, what I, one of the things that I'm most excited about, about talking to Patty is it's just getting the firsthand account of these moments that exist within the story that has been talked about so much on like in those past episodes that I did. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of. Taking this kind of black and white area of this narrative or of the the timeline and coloring it in, you know, well, and, and to making... me it's like
2: another analogy is a puzzle piece. It's one more puzzle piece you've kind of um, put in there because we we hadn't. I think no one had really known what actually happened at the shelter. We got the shelter's version, which was very uh, basically nothing because they can't comment on these types of things. And then Shelly's recount of talking to people at the shelter. And I think she said one woman kind of secretly off, off the record gave her some kind of insight to Emma's behavior. Um, but I, I would say you filled in a big puzzle piece about this case and what's going on. Um, and I think, I mean, again, I do this every time I'm on your show, Jordan. And I, if Dennis Quay is listening, you know, I think he should come on your show. Because I think, I think, really think that's, I don't want to say the final puzzle piece, but a big puzzle piece before the police show up. And it might even be worth at this point pushing the Victoria Police again. You know, it is, it is considered a, a cold case or an unsolved case. And, um, you know, the thing about Emma's case is that it, it was so publicized for so long because of all the great work Shelly did doing interviews. And the last time I talked to Shelly, I felt like she was exhausted. Like she mm. – she you, you cannot falter for it at all. It's like her daughter has been missing. Her family has changed. She's been doing all these interviews. And to me at this point, it's like, I don't know. I honestly think at this point she probably remembers less details and more given how long it's been and how traumatic it's been for her. Um, that, you know, doing things like this I think are really, really great because I hope someone listens to this and goes, hey, I have something to add. Have you Have you ever gotten wind of anyone else at the shelter? Like are you, you know, in talks with anyone or like what's what's yeah. that been like? Or is this the only person you've really found?
0: There's no, I've there's two others that I've been in touch with, but it's, right. uh, people are, not everyone is comfortable talking about this sort course, of stuff. So of it's, course. um, y- there may be another one coming though. We'll see. But it, if it will be okay. a little ways out, but if, um, I hope, hopefully it'll happen, but it's, um, I, I'll talk to anyone who has any connection to Emma, especially like if it's, you know, that final day or in and around that day. Like I would love to talk to more people in the shelter. Dennis Quay is someone from the very beginning. I said, I wanted to talk to, and that's, yeah, me too. Like, yeah, I would love to make that happen. Um, but yeah, but at least with, um, with Patty coming forward, she adds her voice and her story to what's out there. So I'm happy
2: about that. Well, Hey, and I think, uh, kudos to you, Jordan, for getting Patty on the show and also kudos to Patty, um for coming forward because she sounded like she was in a very vulnerable situation herself and for her to come forward talk that way about emma and her own situation um and and be that vocal about her opinion i think is very valuable and i um you know i hope she she sees this in that light because um yeah this is very important and i think you know just give my the comments people are leaving they're very intrigued by this so yeah and hopefully there's a step forward here yeah, Patty's big motivation, I said
0: I said from the beginning, is she just wanted to clear up any misconceptions. She wanted to clear up the part of the story that she was involved in. A big thing that was really important to her was uh, including the part that we heard where she described uh, her, her belief and her opinion that from the mm-hmm. very beginning when Emma went missing, it was painted as um, by the shelter patty believes was painted to the police as she's you know that's this crazy girl who's gone nuts she and uh, patty believes that affected how the police uh, handled their investigation um but yeah Hmm. it's uh i thank patty for talking to me because this has definitely um reignited my interest as well as just it added so much more to how I see or, or what I know about that last day. Yeah. But I want to thank you for talking it out with me. Cause it's this case. Now it's of like, course. whenever something happens, you're the first one I go to. Cause I feel like, although you're stays that way, dude, although you're only on a couple episodes, it's like, I do feel like we've co-hosted this whole thing. Cause you've been like, from the point that I met you, you've been like my, like we've been right hand
2: men on this. Well, we've always shared, and we've always, like, I I remember when you started doing your series, like, because it was after, I believe it was after I wrote the Vice article, I was like, that's, honestly, that's what made the early days of me wanting to start a podcast, because, like, well, you can publish something, then follow up, then follow up again, and that's what you were doing, like, you had these new episodes coming out, and it was groundbreaking, like, you know, you had people on there I couldn't even find, and yeah, I just, uh, I think it's amazing that we've stayed in touch and talked about it. And it's been such a mystery in both of our lives. And, you know, I think this case for both of us is very personal in different ways. And, um, you know, I, I'm just really thankful that you want to have me on and talk about it. And I'll do it anytime, man. Like, I think, you know, we could we could probably do weekly chats about this case. It's so so easy and so many rabbit holes go down. Well, I think, I don't know
0: about weekly chats, but I I feel like <laughs> we'll be back here <laughs> again uh, sooner than later. But Let's, uh, let's wrap this up. This was um, yeah. very interesting. Two hours. Um, wow. I want to thank you for joining Tyler and I in this discussion surrounding my interview with past Sandy Merriman shelter resident Patty. My biggest takeaway from all this is that, again, I'm reminded of the far and wide impact Emma has had on those who found her wandering her way into their life. As well, I'm reminded that Emma is perceived so differently by so many. I can only assume Emma is a mix of all the things we've heard, and probably then some. But sadly, as fascinating as her story is, no matter how it's viewed, it seems to only lead to dead ends. At least for now. With that said, if anyone has any information regarding the disappearance of Emma Philippoff please contact the Victoria Police Department's non-emergency line at 250-995-7654. And tips can also be provided anonymously via Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. Additionally, if you want to publicly share your connection to Emma or your thoughts on this case, please contact me at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. I'd be happy to include you in a follow-up episode. And with that, I'll begin wrapping up this episode. But before we part, I'm going to give some thanks. First, I want to thank Patty for her willingness to share some painful and complicated memories. Patty, your comments have filled in several blanks and shine some light on previously obscured parts of Emma's story. And I thank you for doing that. Next, a big shout-out to Voxomnia for contributing the music for this episode. And lastly, a massive thank you to everyone who is listening to Nighttime. Without your interest and your support, Nighttime would be as pointless as it would be possible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, please subscribe to the premium feed. Not only does it keep the show moving, it'll give you more of each topic than you're going to find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content almost weekly. In the case of this episode, very shortly I'll be sharing a much longer and nearly unedited version of my interview with Patty, exclusively to The Premium Feed. So, for about the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep this show alive by subscribing to The Premium Feed at patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. And with that said, I want to thank the newest subscribers to The Premium Feed. Barb, Jamie, and Maddie, thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to help support the show, but can't do it financially, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing the episodes on social media and letting your friends know about what we're doing here. If any of you have any story ideas or want to give feedback on the show, get me at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. As well, I'm on social media. I'm using Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and I'm live on YouTube most Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday nights at 915 Eastern. So until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. Somebody somewhere knows something. She didn't just disappear. She couldn't just vanish.
1: Somebody has to know something, Jordan. Somebody has to know something. The Nighttime
0: Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright. Jordan Bonaparte.